Ladies and gentlemen, a very good evening and another warm welcome back to the 23-24 season to the Red and Blue Review. Uh, we're going to be discussing all things that happened yesterday away at Bramwell Lane. Quite a few of us attended yesterday, so we've got in-depth in information for you. Um, I'm soon, soon to be joined by my colleagues and they will be with me at any second now, I believe. Ah, here comes one of them right now. And good to see you on the train in the pub yesterday, Mr Noble. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good evening, Nick. Good evening, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like all oh, 24 hours since we were travelling back from Sheffield together, does it? Because that's it was 24 hours ago, so there we are. Um, yeah, good, good day out, wasn't it? Yeah, all good. It, it was a good day out. It really was a good day out. Uh, shame the other two plastics couldn't arrive. Anyway, good evening. Fergus T, how are you? <laughs> yeah, very well, guys. Hi, everybody. Cheap, cheap shot, cheap shot. No need for us. <laughs> yeah, no, all good. Yeah. Happy, happy on the back of three points. Indeed, and we'll, get, and we'll get into the importance of those three points a little bit later in the show. And him, himself is back again. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to Joe Holyoke. Evening, Nick. Evening, all. Evening, everyone. Um, yeah, well, when you've got nothing else to do on a Sunday evening, as I come on here, might I? I've got something, I've got something you could be doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your back garden. <laughs> Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, great to have you all on board. Lovely to see you all out there. Welcome, and I hope uh, you will be able to enjoy the show as much as we enjoy giving it to you. Uh, so yesterday's trip up to uh, Bramall Lane in Sheffield, newly promoted Sheffield, was quite an interesting day. Um, problems with the trains on the way up there. Idiots, Palace fans on the way back with fire extinguishers and all that sort of stuff on the train, embarrassing the club. But we, as Ian quite rightly alluded to, we ended up having a good, a, a great day up there and bagging all three points against what I can only describe as a pub team. They're a very, very poor, disappointing Sheffield. I was talking to a couple of Sheffield guys on the way back last night and they were saying, well, this is exactly what you would expect if you sell your entire midfield. that got you promoted only a few weeks beforehand. Uh, and, you know, they've got a young kid who he described as he said, he's not a championship striker. He's a League One striker. So, uh, you know, you could probably compare him to something like Raksaki in his development time. He, he said, they're very poor. And that's what we fielded against you guys. And he said, we got what we deserved. In fact, uh, we got away with 1-0. Um, so anyway, so Odson Edwards spoiled Sheffield United return to the Premier League to give Crystal Palace a winning start to life after Zaha. OK, uh, can we do a show now without any, any further mention of the Galatasaray player? I'll be very grateful. This season is the first time, the first since. Whoops, we can't hear you, Nick. Can anyone hear him? We have technical difficulties with Nick Philpot. That must have been rubbish, that's that. <laughs> we can't hear you, Nick. <laughs> we, you definitely can't hear you now. Start again. Take two. No good. This is live podcasting and it's very finest, everybody. Um, sorry about that. Um, let me take over. Um, we haven't rehearsed this bit, of course, you know, but we, we can do that. So, um, of course, it was the first competitive game without a certain Mr. Wilfred Zaha uh, for some time. Um, Jefferson Lerma uh, made his debut for Crystal Palace yesterday. And, and Joe, I know you're going to come on a bit later and talk about Lerma and the midfield um, for about the game uh, yesterday. Um, 
And uh, of course, um, you know, it, it was a good day out. Yeah. I don't think you can really uh, complain when you go away from home and win in the Premier League, even against a newly promoted side, uh, and win 1-0. Um, you know, would you go along with that, guys? Ferg, Joe, would you support that statement? Yeah, I think it was a it was a well-disciplined performance yesterday. A team that packed out the midfield, tried to stifle us, because that's probably the only thing they could do. Um, but we just took our time and created chance after chance after chance. It was a, it was it was inevitable one of them was going to go in. Yeah, um, cool, excellent. Yeah, good. Thank you, thank you, Ferg. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I was surprised that they uh, that they started three-five-two uh, um, against us, but then being the home team and and wanting to go for a, a bit of a, a powerful start, I suppose. You know, I, I don't know. 3-5-2 surprised me um, up against our 4-2-3-1 or whatever we played on. I, I prefer 4-5-1 because that's what we basically played. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was I was happy about that. Um, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not going for this, um, you know, we sold players and this, that and the other. I mean, we, we decimated our squad and added and added one player that's just one player extra that's actually playing from last year. You know, lost lost that Sally's man. So all the you can have all the excuses you want. We're a poor team. We're this, that, and the other from the Sheffield United fans. But you know, I mean, there, there was a lot of trepidation about about us going up there with, uh, you know, with the team that we went up there without Elise and 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 you know the whole of of our hopes and expectations falling fairly and squarely on on Eze's shoulders as they have for Zaha for the last umpteen years. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, are you back with us? I am indeed. I'm sorry about that, guys. I do seem to be having one or two technical issues this evening. Uh, so my apologies to everybody out on Facebook land. In fact, can we go to the starting lineup, Nigel, please? Because um, I'd like to th- I would like to talk about it. And I think Joe's point about uh, what we had and what we've got in reserve is a good point. So Super Sam Johnson in goal, uh, that song is really taken off and he loves it. Doesn't he love it? Uh, encourage the crowd when he's uh, having it sung to him. And the new club captain, Joel Ward, uh, was playing alongside Guihi, Anderson and Mitchell. Lerma and Decorey, Ayu, Eze, Schlupp and Edward were your starting 11. Um, the bit that concerned me a little bit, if I'm brutally honest with you, was what we had in reserve. And it was Matthews, Tompkins, Klein, Richards, Riedewell, Amahada, Raksaki, Gordon and Mateta on the bench. Uh, I think it's blatantly clear from from the bench that we are short on bodies. Okay, uh, even the managers alluded to it during his pre-match press conference and in his post-match press conference yesterday afternoon. Uh, they've got to do take some action quite quickly. When should we do the goalkeeper situation? Ian? When would you like to do that? Would you like? To, should we do that after you've done your notes? Yeah, let's let's do it a little bit later on. Yeah, go for it. You okay. Cover. Okay, so let's get that that starting lineup up again, please, Nigel, if we may. Um, and uh, I think you know we can all agree that we probably started as we as most of us expected us to start. Um, and I tweeted as much uh, uh, live from the away end yesterday. This is this is how we you know we we were expected to start with the Davidson uh, Lerma. Um, the bench is weak. There's no doubt about that. But it's as probably as good as it was going to get, uh, given the players that we've got. Our, at our disposal. So uh, 
Uh, and it's interesting, really, as we come on towards the end of the game, where we look at it, is that he didn't use the bench at all, apart from uh, Tompkins in the last five minutes. So, you know, actually, interesting, Sheffield United, I thought, opened the brighter of the two sides. Um, we turned them round. Um, so I think they were kicking uh, the, towards the end that they prefer not to attack in the first half. Uh, but they did start a bit brighter. And Osula, I don't know if this is the League One striker you're referring to, um, he went pretty close early doors. Really good effort, I thought. And I think it was a deflection that took it wide. That was on 10 minutes. But that was the only time they really troubled us in, in the first half. Um, Eze uh, was bundled over in the box. It, he tumbled. It wasn't a penalty, but he stayed down. Um, there, there weren't even any appeals for that. Um, Eze was fouled a lot during the game. Jill, I think you're spot on when you talk about the fact that Eze was shouldering the, the talismanic you know, burden, I suppose, that Zaha used to shoulder. And uh, without him, we would have looked um, really poor. So, you know, when I read tweets about Tottenham circling around Eze, that worries the hell out of me. Worries, it, worries me more than the Elise rumours, for sure. I don't want to see Elise go. Of course I don't. But I hate to see Eze go. We've got to hold on to Eze, whatever, um, in this window. He's been absolutely brilliant in pre-season. And, and, he, and he came good again yesterday. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different calls for man of the match. But you know what? Eze was the man of the match. There wasn't a player that could match him. Nick disagrees with me. But you can disagree with me all you like. But Eze was the man of the match. He was fouled um, early doors. They just didn't know how to deal with him other than foul, foul him. Um, and uh, the, the, the one foul, instead of giving the free kick, which was a blatant foul, the ball fell to Edward. He, they, they played the advantage. Instead of squaring it to I on the right, he took it on and had a shot that was uh, deflected for a corner. Um, Anderson had a long-range effort in the first half, which was parried. And, uh, of course, I was quick to follow up, um, put the ball in the back of the net. We all thought we scored. We were celebrating like mad in the away end. Um, and uh, it was quickly cut short as uh, the linesman put his flag up. And do you know what? He was offside. There's no doubt about it. But it wasn't much in it. You know, when you look back on it, you know, he's off. You can see, see he's off with the naked eye. But there wasn't a huge amount in it. Um, Dekore had a long-range effort. I like the way that players like Dekore and Anderson have a go on goal. You know, they, they, let's test the goalkeeper. This isn't the greatest goalkeeper in the world that Sheffield United have got. Um, didn't he start his career at Palace or something, this, this lad? Um, yeah, no, no appearances. Ever. No, no appearances. No, um, I think he went on loan to Bromley or something like that. Um, so he's worked his way up. Good luck to him. He's playing in the Premier League now. He's probably on about 20 grand a week or something, keeping goal for Sheffield United. Good luck to him. So he was saving these long range efforts reasonably comfortably. Um, yeah, so next piece of action in the first half, if I can read my notes correctly. Um, Eze's corner. Eze was on all set pieces. Let's be clear about this. Yeah, he takes everything. He takes free kicks. If we get a penalty, he'll take a penalty. He takes corners. And um, he crossed the ball. I think the corner was on the on the right-hand side. Gahey headed it on. And Edward was at the far post. And it looked an easy chance, but it came a bit too quick. And he was a bit too close to the goal. Uh, and it, it went over. Um, and that was the sum total of the first half, really. It, it wasn't the greatest first half. We were sort of glad it was over. Um, I don't know how many extra minutes they played, five or six or something ridiculous. Um, they're being added on new rules this season. Um, before we go into the second half, let me bring you in, Jill, because you want to talk about the midfield specifically uh, yesterday. So over to you, mate. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm as excited about this, this new midfield 
um, like no other time, really. Um, but, I mean, to have Lerma and, and Decore, they're both very similar players. Um, although I think, I think at the two, the more defensive-minded uh, would be Decore. Uh, Lerma really does seem to be box to box. But if we can come across the middle and just put ourselves into a, a 4-4-2 formation, um, Eze out on the left, the Corre Lerma, and then Elise out on the right. I'm, I'm telling you now, that is like top four, uh, a, a top four setup. And I know people are laughing and say, oh, we've got this and we've got that. But I'm telling you now, Elise crosses the well, Elise is Elise, one of the most amazing crosses of the board in the Premier League. Why he's getting a lot of lot of interest. So is Eze. Eze is, is going to be he's amazing at set ball and just, just everything about him. Eze is, is amazing anyway. Um, we all know about the Corre, um, about the interest now that he's he's getting from uh, top four, top six clubs, and and I think if if Lerma goes on the same trajectory as what he did today, uh, uh, what he did yesterday, I mean the same thing of him. Um, I did see some tweets, you know, people were uh, um, saying good stuff about about Lerma, and rightly so. Um, but the, the Cherries fans were, were come on, the Bournemouth fans are coming on, saying well, what you've seen. What you've seen today is pretty much what we got all the time. So you know you should be really excited for him, yeah. um, and and I, and I really am. I mean, he is a, a really full-on committed. I don't think we've ever had two committed ballers in the middle for a very very long time, Nick. Yeah, yeah. During the uh, game yesterday, Joe and I were actually messaging each other, um, and it's the sort of thing I said to him. I need you to look closely at the Lerma Decore partnership. Because what I noticed in the first half, and Ian, thank you for your uh, first half synopsis. But one thing you haven't mentioned in there is, I think in the first half, we played a lot more narrow, driving through the centre via Decore and Lerma. Mm. Uh, There's something very, because we didn't have the Elise uh, right and the Zaha on the left scenario where we're pinging balls out. We were coming very central. We were all over them. The, the stats in the first half didn't actually do it justice. We battered them in the first half. We made them look really either we made them look very ordinary or they made us look brilliant one or the other uh, and it was very interesting to see how that developed first off that we came down centrally because of those two gel you're right to pick up on them i mean you think about the excitement there gehi and anderson at the back okay and in front of them decoria lerma mm. whoa i think we've got something interesting go Joe. just just really quickly did, did you notice yesterday that those two covering in the centre gave Anderson the the, the, the reins to run forward more mm. than he's ever done before. Look, he, 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 as soon as I saw him do that, I thought the last player I I, I can't remember a player. Rio Ferdinand used to do it. Mark for the older people. Mark Wright used to do it for Liverpool and Southampton. Players like that. He he really is a baller. And we've said we don't want to lose him because he is a baller. But now. If he's if he started to ping balls from from the centre circle like a midfielder, that's just another massive plus for us. It is almost become vogue, isn't it? This because you know Trent Alexander Arnold at Liverpool, um, John Stones at Man City. You know they're defenders that are potentially playing in midfield roles now, um, even being named in in a defensive. And, and I can see Anderson coming to do that. And, and you're right, Chell, the fact that you've got Lerma and Decore in the middle there, that allows one of those players to go forward. Because there were a couple of times yesterday when I think it was Lerma, actually, that was, that was the one that was covering. 
you know, got back when, when one of them went forward. Berg. Yeah, I was going to say, and I think some credit's got to go to Edward as well, because he, he got more involved in the game, more than I've ever seen him get involved. He was coming for the ball. He wanted the ball. He looked like, you know, he looked like the sort of player that we, we signed from Celtic um, mm. two, three years ago. He, he, he wanted to be more involved. So I think Roy Ball, or whatever we're calling it now, um, it's certainly rubbing off on the players. We had 300 more completed passes than Sheffield United and we were the away side. Now, if, if that was a Man City or Arsenal, people would be creaming themselves, wouldn't they? They'd be going, oh, look how fantastic it is. Because it's Palace, we don't necessarily get the credit. But 300 more passes than Sheffield United. We, we, we were immense. And because, and like Joe pointed out, because we're, we've got those two holding midfielders now, who are, are they, they can hold the ball, they can create. It's opening avenues up for other players to, to push forward. You know, we're, we're a very, very attacking side now. And, 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 I, and I kind of agree with, with, with... We're not far off top four, top five. <laughs> if, if we can keep a fit 11 players when we've got Elise and Eze, you know, we're, we're, we've got a really, really good team. Good, solid team. And, and Joe, I'm coming to you in a second. And Fergie, you make a good point there about... Uh... Edward up front because it, there's been a lot of chat about Edward in the box. Ian Lyons, he's been singing his praises anyway, saying that, you know, give, just give him the service and he will score. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, one disallowed yesterday, which Ian's about to come on. So uh, it's, yeah, I think he's very right. Uh, give him a run of games, give him a chance. Let's see. I mean, he's one up already. Uh, the manager's asking for 10. All right, he's got more than 10 in him. Joe, you want to say something, mate? And then we'll go back to Ian. Well, I, I, and I really do not lose last week's podcast. Because only another 13 to go. I said he would score 14 goals. And, and a couple of you scoffed at me as well. But I'm telling you, that, so the thing about about um, Edouard quickly is that he has always been one of them players that wants to go football, uh, wants to go forward. He's not very good at playing, to getting battered by big centre forwards coming in where he's trying to hold the ball. He's not a hold-up player. He's very much get the ball going forward. The, the bit that Ferg just said about you know when I said earlier about the two centre the two defensive sort of centre mids now they'd be battling and, and we don't really want those to be creative. I think Lerma's probably the more creative out of two, but we don't want them. If they if they win the ball, stop the attacks and win the ball. Give the ball to Eze, he can create. Give the ball to Elise, he can create. What that does then that keeps us, it makes us wide because Eze state. It was everything down that left yesterday. They could not do anything apart from kick him, body check him. It was, it was, yeah. Joe, Joe, you're not wrong about that bit, but I think you'll find that Lerma is a creative player as well. I think he's got the whole, I think he's the whole package, to be honest with you. It's early days, so let's not get too excited, but I think he can create. I think we'll see that. We'll see more of it. Um, Fergus, you want to come in again? I just, just want to mention someone else that we haven't touched on yet. Um, are you? Yeah, had a fantastic, I'm going to come to Ian in the second half. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it, Ian. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, before I do that, Rob Cranfield in the chat said, This is Roy Ball 2, 2.0. All right. That's what we're going to call it Roy Ball 2.0. Thanks, Rob. Like that uh, a lot. Um, okay. So, second half is four minutes old when uh, Lerma passes the ball out to Ayu on the right hand side. And he played really well, Jordan Ayu, again yesterday. I thought he played well in the friendly last Saturday as well. But he was drawing the fouls. But he got past his fullback. I know it's a Sheffield United fullback, all right, before you start, you know, saying don't get too excited. 
But the ball he delivered was a perfect ball for any striker to finish. Um, now, I've had a bit of grief on Twitter from one or two people saying, uh, um, oh, as uh, a tap-in, my nan could have scored that one and all this kind of stuff. I, I think it's a harder goal than that. I don't think it's a tap-in. Do you know what? There were six Sheffield United players back in that box, four of them in the six-yard box, when Edouard got on the end of that cross. Now, you know, you've got to be in the right place. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. And he certainly was. He read it brilliantly. And uh, it was a good goal. And it was all we deserved by that time. Uh, you know, 49, 50 minutes into the game, 1-0 uh, up. And um, Bedlam in the away end. There were limbs, weren't there, Nick? It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> It was happy days. It, I mean, it was a cue for we love you, we love you, we love you. Uh, no more than we In fairness, I mean, the, the first half performance as it was. Okay, let's let's keep a little bit of realism. He's only a very very weak Sheffield United team. I get that. Yeah. We still got the points on the board. Sorry, mate. Carry on. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Joe, is your point quick, or can I come back to you at the end? No, no. You just said you was going to talk about Ayuk. Okay, well, let, all right, let's, 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 well, I'll come back to him at the end, all right? Let me just finish this match. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll come back to I at the end because I know you've got a view on Jordan Ayew. We know, we know, <laughs> we, we, know you, we know your view on Jordan Ayew, all right? Okay. But you can have your say in a minute, right? So, um, as a, um, as was on every set piece, as I said earlier, um, and uh, he took another one on the, on the left hand side. Edward headed it direct into the keeper's hands. It was a poor effort on Edward's part, that particular one. Um, uh, they attacked. There was one thing that Anderson did really well. There was a block, and he got his foot in. And without that block, they, it would have been a shot on target, and who knows what would have happened. Um, then came the second offside goal. Now, this was a good uh, team move. It was worked from uh, right to left, I think, across uh, the middle of the pitch. Uh, several passes involved, and it was eventually Mitchell that crossed the ball from the left-hand side. And we didn't really see him get forward too much. As I, I agree, Nick, with what you were saying earlier, we played very narrowly. Um, but Mitchell did get wide and uh, he crossed the ball. And, and then while he just held his run and hopefully he'll learn from this, you know, if he looks at it, he was offside, a yard or so offside. But he probably could have got there if he'd held his run. And that's what good strikers do. They understand, they, they go at the right time. Um, and I watched the, you know, the games today, um, I think it was the Chelsea-Liverpool game, where there were two offside goals, one for either side, and both were really, really fine, but both were disallowed. So you're not going to get away with anything in the Premier League. You know, if, if, if you are that last man as a striker, you're, you're going to be offside, even if the referee doesn't see it or the linesman in real time. So uh, goals ruled out. Um, and of course, we didn't even bother celebrating this one because we thought, hang on a minute, it's probably going to be offside anyway. Um, but there we are. Um, so, um, yeah, there was another move as well where Eze fed Schlupp, um, sort of in the in the sort of 10 position, you know, shot. Shot, yeah, good shot. Keeper did well, kind of save you'd expect him to make. Um, they had another chance up the other end. This Osala bloke again. I don't know why the Sheffield United guy was so down on him because I thought he played quite well. A bit unlucky at the end uh, with his effort on goal, just into the side netting. Um, Eze missed a chance late on, um, set up by Ayo again. Um, another Eze free kick. And it was an Anderson header this time. That was a really good save from the goalkeeper. Yeah. Really good save. Probably our our best chance other than the goal, that you know, aside from the offside efforts. Um, you know, Anderson got his head on it really well. Keeper got down. Brilliant save. Um, and then Gahey was um, carrying it. He got a knock. He had a challenge and an 85 minutes. Was it 85 minutes? Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Something like that. Tompkins came on. And I was thinking, 
why Tompkins? You know, at the time, I think he's got Chris Richards on the bench. Um, but when you think about it, you know, Tompkins has got shed loads of experience in the Premier League. It was a pressure situation, five minutes from the end, defending a 1-0. Um, and he was the right man for the job because the balls were coming in from Sheffield United. And, and Tompkins did get his head on it once or twice, which was very much needed. So the game finishes 1-0. Um, I didn't mention the um, touchline antics of Roy. Um, Roy Hudson, have we got that graphic, Nige? Um, there we go. So Good idea, they're full back uh, low. He goes to get the ball. And he, he, he sort of he hits Royalson, doesn't he, in the sort of stomach or something, and um, to try and grab the ball, and uh, he, he kicks off. It was quite amusing. I feel, got quite, a lot of I feel quite safe in the away games now, knowing that we got Anderson off, break your nose by it. Yeah. Also, <laughs> step in if the boys get out. Of it. Well, I'll tell you what, he, he was he, he was a fighting spirit, and he, he in his post match uh, presser, he was sort of saying, "Oh, it was nothing really," you know. And of course, you know, he's going to say that, isn't he? But um, it, it was fun to see, and he's got a lot of love all over social media, including Match of the Day. And, and talking of Match of the Day, by the way, you know, unusually for Match of the Day, they were very complimentary about Crystal Palace. Um, so fair play to them. You know, they, they said that we, we looked really good, well worth the win and all the rest of it. And they're the stats. These are your full-time statistics. So two-thirds of the possession Crystal Palace had. Um, and um, 24 shots to their eight, eight on target. But if you have eight shots on target, you expect to score more than one, don't you really? They were relatively tame, uh, most of them. And uh, clearly you can see that they fouled us more than we fouled them. But, um, yeah, on, on balance, you know, a good away day, well worth the points. And I, I for one, am not complaining at all. Now then, Nick's gone again, so this is good, isn't it? But Jordan Ayew, Gel. Come and talk to me about Jordan. What do you think? Of well, before we do that, I just want to cover off the game, really, because uh, it is important about the cover the IO. So I looked at it and I like to sort of analyse it. It's like a, a half yard game that was for us yesterday. If Jordan IU was half a yard on side, right, it, we we would have been one 0 up before we did. Yeah. If if um, uh, it was. Is half a yard on side, right? Which is, it's another goal. Yeah. If, if Anderson's header is half a wide le left or right, it's another goal. Plus he pulls off. You know, this this it, 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 I thought it wasn't a close game. It was that basically was one of them times where uh, we've referred to it over the years as we literally thrashed them one nil. Yep. One of it any other way, we thrashed them one nil. They have no, you know, as their manager. Uh, turned around and said after, you know, every game's a big game for them um, and they know what to expect. But uh, but we will play better than that um, and 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 lose without a doubt. But, uh, but they, you know, make no mistake, I'm sure, didn't we lose? Did we not lose up there a, a few years ago? Yeah, we I'm, lost sure, I'm sure we did. Yeah, we lost up there four years ago, mate. Yeah, uh, exactly. Time. Last time we were allowed to go again, it was, um, I think it was the second game of the season, first away game again. We lost one nil, yeah, exactly. So, so it was never a, a, a given, you know. We 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 could have like their forwards could have had a you know, had a, had a, a proper day, and and that would have you know, could, the, the result could have been different. We missing chances and scoring offside goals, so but yeah, no, I, I you know, we deserve the credit we got yesterday because. You can only put, you can only beat what's what's in front of you. If the tempo from there is is raised a bit more, you know, I think uh, I think we do, you know, with another forward as well, and and just get him on one more. Sorry, Ferg, I know you want to 
No, I felt that, that Lerma and Decore playing together really affected Schlupp's... Schlupp didn't... We could have had another forward up there for, for what he did. Because what he likes to do is to come from deep. And he wasn't allowed to come from deep, you know, uh, Schlupp. And I think it affected his performance, even though he, don't, he didn't really have a mare. You know what I mean? But he wasn't involved like he usually is. Um, and I thought that sort of affected him a little bit. Um, but, yeah. I was going to say on Schlupp, the first half, Tyrick Mitchell and Schlupp, I think, had that was a pretty poor first half for them. It, it, it's not working. I know and there was a lot of comments last week about, you know, let's see how Tyrick Mitchell is without Zaha. And he did look a little bit lost. He kept misplacing his passes. Schlupp wasn't getting any, any of the service. The ball kept going back. Second half, he was much better. Um, and Schlupp got more involved in the game as well. Um I mean, Paul Higginbottom at the end of the game said Palace deserved to win, you know, match of the day. They couldn't not say anything but praise us because, you know, we absolutely dominated that game. And like Gell said, it, on another day, that could have been 4-5-0. You know, it could, have, it could have been more than that. I mean, just, I don't know if somebody can answer in the comments, but if a goal is scored and it's offside, does that count as a shot on target or is it wiped from the... Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's wiped. I'm not well, sure. there you go. But, I mean, so we had 10. <laughs> we had ten on target in theory, but you know, we, you know, we, we 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 played really well. I can understand why Tompkins came on. If it had been two nil, I think it would have been Chris Richards, without a doubt. But like you said, Ian, he's he's got all that experience. He wants yeah. to keep the three points. He, he he knows Tompkins better than he knows Chris Richards. Mm. So that's that's why he brought him on. It wasn't long to go anyway, but um. Yeah. And I think Mark Gay, he'll be fine because he, he walked off the pitch and he walked around in front of the away end. He was hobbling a bit, but, uh, you know, people say, is he going to be out for a while? No. I think he'll, he kicked his he fine. kicked his own ankle, didn't he? Not when sure. He landed. I'm not sure. Didn't didn't see yeah, it. I think it was um, more than not. <laughs> there's, I've got a few interesting stats here that came from uh, my travelling companion, Real Panel. Um, fifth time we've won our first Premier League game of the season. OK, only, only four times previously. Also, the fifth time we've won our first away game of the season in the Premier League. OK. Uh, and if we do keep a clean sheet against Arsenal, it'll be the first time we've ever done it. Two clean sheets in a row to start the campaign. Um, and we'll be trying to win uh, our opening game of the season for only the second... Uh, sorry, we'll be trying to win our opening home game of the season for only the second time. We've only won once at home, our first home game of the season in 14 previous Premier League campaigns. All right, so thanks for those stats. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I've got some more for you because I, uh, the other thing I got uh, Nigel to look at for me today was our, how we performed on the first game of the season previously. So uh, out of the 11 seasons, uh, we're actually putting this right now. Sadly, it's six losses, but we're now up to... <laughs> He's going to throw it in in a minute. Oh, you still can't hear you. Don't worry. Six losses, um, four wins or something. But there we don't go. Don't worry. While, he's, while Nick's getting frustrated, don't worry. And we try and try and get him sorted out. No we'll, bookings. We'll, we'll no cover. Bookings. Yeah, yeah. We'll cover the. Uh, we'll cover Jordan Knight. And uh, and since I've brought it up, I would like to start, please. Um, so, the thing that IU does best, right, is when he's not trying to take everyone off. It, it, when he runs himself into a blind alley, which he did a couple of times yesterday, um, 
that's he infuriates me. But what he did yesterday was pick the ball up, take the step sideways, hit it twice, beat the the uh, the left back, and crossed it, and 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 goal. You, you can't. Nobody can turn around and say anything about that. He is provided an assist. He's done what he needs to do. The Jordan, that's all Jordan all you needs to do. He will get cult status if he just becomes an assist merchant. Don't need to score goals like he did against West Ham five years ago or whatever. We just want him to just assist. He's a winger, and we just want him to assist. And that way, he 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 literally can be. You know, I mean, unfortunately, when Elise say he's fit, he, he can't play. And, and if Eze is going to be out on the left-hand side, wide, he can't play out there either. So, unless well, you're going to play hang, him hang up on, front... Hang, sorry, hang on a minute. I would say to you, that on the balance of play, what I saw yesterday, and you touched on this yourself a minute ago, Gel, is that if you had to drop a player for Elise in that 11, I'd drop Jeffrey Schlapp, probably. And I'd find a way of playing Ayub. I think you've got to find a way of keeping yeah. an eye on this side at the moment. Well, at the moment we've got no, you know, I mean, we, we go on to the squad, and it's and it's not that the, the squad is thin. The, the squad isn't thin because we do have the players. What the squad lacks is experience. The all the experience is is virtually out there on the pitch. On the bench, it's just it's just a load of inexperience. So, um, well, is it? Know, is it? Just, is it? Because you've got Tompkins and Klein. Would you say that both of those are experienced, right? Yeah. Riedeveld? You know, oh, no. he's, not, he's not inexperienced, but, is he? You know, he's... No, 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 no. But but the thing is, so so the thing is, uh, all right, so I'll have to rephrase this thing. So there is experience because you've just named two of those players, okay? Yeah. But they're only going to come on if there's injuries. They are not going to come on if there's no injuries. True. But Ratsaki, out on the right-hand side, he, he will be a replacement for a winger. That he is an attacking winger, so that's the replacement. What I'm talking that's 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 what I that's what I that's what I actually mean. We don't have. I think we're after another two attacking players. I think we have enough in the midfield um, to to cover it. I think we have enough in defence to cover it. Um, but yeah, but again, going back to Ayu, I thought he had a, I thought he had a good game yesterday, and he did what he needed to do. And without that assist, we wouldn't have scored a goal. So. You know, it's a, uh, and again, I've always said, when you, when I need to praise him, I'll praise him. Okay, so I, I want I want our producer guy Nigel just to get that sound clip that you've just said. I thought I oh, had a good game yesterday. We're gonna we're gonna keep that, all right? And we're gonna bring it out every now and again. Um, when we... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Theresa, I hope you're happy now, darling. That uh, Joe has admitted that Jordan I is actually quite a good football player. No, 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 no. No, no. He had a good game. That's it. Jesus. I'd rather put my cat out there than that be mad here. If my cat could cross a board, I'd rather have a man What do you think, Ferg? Do you think he's quite a good football player? Yeah, I think he's a very, very good footballer. He won so many free kicks yesterday. You know, he's the way he plays, he's a clever player. As soon as he gets touched, you know, he's down. The referee's free kick and, you know, with Eze... On set pieces now, you know we're getting some decent crosses into the box, so it's going to create. More, we're going to create more chances that way. Um, but I agree. I mean, if Elise comes in, I think Schlupp will probably be the one that loses his place. But Schlupp would be a, you know, 
that, that's a that's a really good impact substitute to have on. And you could rotate him and Ayu. You know, there's they can both. All right, Schlapp's more left-sided, but I think Ayu can play right and left because um, he's he's done that in the well, past. Raksaki has to get minutes this year. And, and Raksaki, yeah. Yeah, I was going to come on to that. You know, you've got Raksaki on the bench as well. And when France is fit, you know, I don't know what position he's going to he's going to take up in the team. But um, another attacking midfield player, you've got Hamada. So we we have got we have got some decent players. Uh, admittedly, not with the experience. But you know, if they don't okay. play, <laughs> they're not going to get the experience, are they? So we need to start playing them. Okay, what do we think about um, Shea Adams? Because there's a lot of rumour that we're in for Shea Adams at Southampton. He scored his second goal of two games in the Championship this season um, uh, yesterday. Um, all right, it was a four-all draw, but he got on the score sheet again. Um, eight and a half, ten million, is he worth that, do you think? Over per minute scorer. So, is that, yeah, is that a yes definitely. from you, Joe? It's probably a yes from me as well, but I'm a little bit concerned about what we're offering him salary-wise. My understanding is that they're looking to double his, double his wages to 60 grand a week. Is he a 60 grand a week player? Is he, is he better than what we've already got in terms of uh, Matessa and Edward? I'm, okay. I'm not... okay, so in the chat, tell us if you think that, um, if you think that uh, Adams is an upgrade on Matessa. Let's say that. Is, is Shea Adams an upgrade on Mateta? Because let's hope, let's assume that Edward um, carries this um, rich vein of form on into the next game or two. Because um, one thing I didn't say, um, there's lies, damn lies and statistics. But this is a statistic that I'll give you. Edward has scored twice in his last three Premier League games. The last three Premier League games we've played. All right, he scored away at Fulham, didn't score against Forest, he scored yesterday. So there we are, two out of three. If he scores two out of three games all the way through the season, happy days, everybody. We'll be you in know. Europe. Yeah, <laughs> about Did that. you, That's um, Ian, Ian, have you covered off man in the match in Jordan Ayew yet? Uh, no, we've done Jordan Ayew, we sort of did a better Jordan Ayew. Uh, Jen admitted he was quite a good footballer, uh, so we, we've got that. We've got that. And, um, man of the match, no, I mean, I said at the top of my what I said earlier, I thought Eze was man of the match. Yeah. Um, be interested to see what other people think. Um, you know, I've, I've got my own opinion, if I'm honest with you. And I actually said it to the gel halfway through the game yesterday because of the first half he had. And obviously, he didn't agree with me. But I actually thought Jordan Ayew was man of the match. His industry was, he was, I mean, Eze played well. Eze had a good game. He actually he actually faltered a little bit in the second half. And again, I don't know if anybody out there agrees with me because uh, I'm now doing this on my phone because of my technical issues. Uh, but I actually think Jordan Ayew was probably the standout player. So I thought he's really good and fair play to him. Um, the other thing I wanted to come on to is the ongoing saga between Crystal Palace and Vincente Guaita that uh, took another turn ahead of the game yesterday at Sheffield United. As, expect as expected, the Spanish goalkeeper was not named in Roy Hodgson's squad for their <laughs> Premier League opener. Uh, according to the manager, he refused to play during pre-season. Guaita, now 36, is said to want a transfer away from Sellers Park, having lost his place to Sam Johnson and Rem Remy Matthews was named as a substitute goalkeeper. Um, however, Guaita yesterday responded to the Palace team news announcement on Twitter and appeared to suggest he was being denied a chance to play. Boys, I'd like to know, Fergo, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, your thoughts on the Guaita situation. Is Roy right to do what he's doing? Is there any way back for him now? Your thoughts, mate. Um, 
No, I think Roy's 100% correct. I mean, if he's refused to play pre-season, that's unprofessional. He's got a contract. He should be available for all games unless he's injured. And if he's refusing to play because he's, you know, sour grapes because Johnson's now number one, then, um, yeah, just leave him behind. Remy Matthews, uh, you know, he's a decent decent goalkeeper. He's good cover. Um, so, yeah, I think Roy's, Roy's right in dropping him. Jill, you know, it's a shame because I really, really rate Guita, but, you know, he's throwing his toys out of his pants. Very unprofessional. Yeah. No, so uh, uh, who was the goalkeeper we sold to Southampton? Alex McCarthy. And so, so apparently we're, we're back, in, back in for him. Yeah. And, and, and I wouldn't be too sad about that either. Um, I know that, you know, he wanted first team football and that's the reason why he left, but that it wouldn't be a, a bad day for Palace to have him. As a, as a number two percent to Johnston, I can I can assure you that. Um, when it comes to Guita, same thing as uh, you know. I mean, he's, he's he has admitted. Um, you know, we don't have to to agent hate on this. It's not his agent that's uh, that's trying to manufacture a deal, like, unlike uh, other players that, that that end up going on strike. So, but yeah, for me, um, if he literally wants to move, um, and he, and he doesn't, you know, he's not going to get picked. Um, then, then Roy's the best man in the club for, for literally having you know no mercy. He's gone. It's as simple as that. And and I have no, yeah. You know, whether whether or not he wants to play for the club, I mean, if he wants to move, it means he wants to move. He doesn't want to play for the club anymore. So for me, if you don't want to play a club, you, you you're going to be toxic no matter what. Um, and you can't be in an environment in the same environment. So you got to go. And, and that's that's the end. I feel for him because he has been a good servant for us, you know, but like I said the other day uh, on the other podcast, no matter what players, you know, Wilf's gone this end. We've earned very good money off us. We do, we're not rubbish at paying. We do pay when we need to. And, uh, you know, contrary to some people, what some people think, some of our players have been on huge amounts of money uh, that would su- surprise people. Life-changing money. That's what I'm saying. He's, on a, he's had a very, very good deal out of us. Um, and if you know, if he thinks he's got enough money and he can go back home and play for Getafe or or you know whatever lower league side him to see out the rest of his career, obviously he's got enough though. And but I do, listen, the other things I do appreciate. But if he wants to do that, then he wants to do that. Um, but you've got to be gone. You've got to be out of the environment. Otherwise, otherwise that is it. I mean, if he's put a transfer request in, then then the club really should try and honour it to get him away from the club, get him off the wage bill. It's another. X amount, huge amount of money every month staying within the club. Yeah, I heard 80. I heard 80, but I mean, it's a complete guess until you can't get hold of it. Ian, in your your professional capacity, he's in breach of contract, is he? Why are we still paying him? That's exactly the point I was going to make. Yeah, I think he's in breach of contract. So therefore, if you're in breach of contract, surely you don't need to pay the player. No, you don't, because Leeds United are doing the same with uh, the little winger. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, Vincente Guita has had a terrific Crystal Palace career in the seasons he's been with us. He's been uh, instrumental in earning us points, keeping us in the Premier League and all the rest of it. But very disappointing in this attitude. You know, it's it's poor every whichever way. You can't you can't sugarcoat this and make it look good. You really can't. Um, he... He needed to remain professional, and he hasn't done that. I don't, I can't see in a month of Sundays how he could possibly expect to be named on a team sheet when he hasn't trained or he hasn't been part of pre-season. It's a nonsense, isn't it? 
So I don't know whether he was just doing it tongue in cheek with his tweet. You know, you don't know. Maybe he's had an off day. Maybe he's not well. I, you know, who, who knows? You know, I'm talking mentally. You know, maybe he's got issues. I don't know. So um, clearly, he's, he's handled himself badly here. And um, the sooner the club deal with this and getting away from Crystal Palace and distance him from Crystal Palace Football Club, the better. Um, we do need we do need uh, another goalkeeper though, if that's the case. Um, Joe, I'll Joe, carry on. Second. I'll yeah, I just right, I've been saying I've been saying that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to come out like that. It's a silent G. <laughs> hang on a hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Let's try and remain a bit serious here for a minute. Um, Joe Whitworth was the third goalkeeper that travelled yesterday. Um, they always travel with three goalkeepers. If one of them gets injured in the, in the warm-up, they need a backup as well. So, um, he, although, although he's played two Premier League games, I don't think he's, he's he should be in that position. I think he needs to go out alone. He can't go out alone at the moment. Why? Because we haven't got enough goalkeepers. So, as soon as we get McCarthy or somebody else's backup, uh, the better. But, but listen, Vincente Guita has got to leave this football club now. OK, and the reason I've raised the point about Guita, guys, is because I had a very interesting chat with... Somebody who we trust as a podcast very much for his information uh, is um, Carl Davis. I spoke to Carl for a long time yesterday and he was telling me what the club are planning and doing before the transfer window closes. And they've got two or three irons in the fire. But the Guaita thing, and by the way, there's also a bit of confusion in the chat with reference to a, a transfer request. Uh, some people suggested that he has put in a transfer request. Paul Bristow's confirmed what I've actually heard that that actually hasn't happened. He has no has not put in a transfer request. Anyway, Carl was saying to me yesterday that this has actually hit the club like a bolt out of the blue. He said because you think about it, he said they've done all their budgets. They know who they're looking for. They're looking to bring in two or three players before the end of the window, and then this has hit them like a bolt out of the blue. If you're going to go and get a keeper of any stature from another club, you're going to be playing eight, paying eight to ten million pounds for him that we haven't budgeted for. It's going to ruin all their hard laid plans that they put down. Hang on, I'm coming to you, Jill. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's really poor form. And right from the very, very top, uh, the word I got yesterday is they are really not happy with his attitude and what he's done. And he's, he's, he's actually been quite toxic behind the scenes. Um, it's just... It's just come out. I mean, he was a he was a, an adored player. Go on, Joe. You want to make a point? Well, I mean, just just to bring out the money side of things. You know, we were up until two weeks ago willing to have and, and would have had to have the money in the bank to pay Wilf Zaha um, the best part of eight hundred and fifty thousand pounds a month. So I know that we haven't got the money. There must be a budget set aside. You don't just uh, borrow money or do whatever as the season goes on. That Wilf's, you know, ten million quid for this for the, for the season coming until he actually left. That would have been in the budget. Use the use some of that. The point he was trying to make was that that budget that you're right to to highlight. The budget has been allocated to the players the current players and the players that they want to bring in. They had no no time did they actually think they were going to be bringing in another goalkeeper. Why would they? He's still under contract. Uh, at best, we're only getting a 36-year-old goalkeeper with one year left on his on his contract, which is what Guaita's has got. What are we going to get for him? A few hundred thousand pounds? They just haven't budgeted for that. Not that they haven't got the budget, because you're right, the Zaha money is sitting there, blah, blah, blah. And the Guaita money will be sitting there, don't forget, of course. Okay, But they haven't budgeted a spend to go out and buy a new goalkeeper. That's what... That's the point he was, he was making. 
Although I said we need to buy another goalkeeper, I, I guess if we if we do end up with the three that we've got, including Whitworth as the third choice, it really isn't the end of the world. So long no, as so long as Sam Johnson stays fit, you know, and that's the that's the big if, isn't it? Because he has had his injuries. And interestingly, in the chat earlier, most of you were commenting saying Sam Johnson's a better goalkeeper. I agree with you, actually. So do I. Right. So do I. Yeah. Just, just really quick. Sorry, folks. Come to you and see. Just so, so, so this is the thing. Whitworth is a, is a, an admirable backup to a two or a three because last year it was all right for him to be number one against our biggest rivals. Well, oh, we didn't have anyone else, did we? So we played against Brighton. Yeah, but he bought. I'm saying is all of a sudden we can play him against Brighton in a game that we never ever would want to lose. But next the next season on, or is you know he's not good enough. He needs to go out. I, I, I personally, I know you said go out alone. For I, I don't think he needs to go out alone. I think he's got he's got Premier League experience, and he has had it loads of times. He's sat on the bench and he's ready to go with his clubs when he was number two to no, but, but, whoever. But, yeah, Phil in the chat, Phil Q. He says Whitworth needs minutes. I think he's right. I think you know ideally in the player's development, he's nineteen years of age. He needs minutes on the pitch. He doesn't need minutes sitting on a bench or minutes at a Premier League game. But he can uh, play on a Wednesday. Trying to save strikers' shots pre-game. He needs minutes in, in, in the game. But, um, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm at risk of repeating myself. If we can't get another goalkeeper in, he'll have to stay as the third-choice goalkeeper. He, he did well against Brighton and Arsenal last season. He did all right. Yeah, you know, he can't play. He's, you know he's not the tallest keeper either, is he, you know? Um, I'm sure Alice, um, Yasmin's daughter, will be delighted with spending so much time talking about Joe Whitworth because I think he's got a bit of a crush on her or something like that anyway. Really? <laughs> and, and what a lovely family they are, by the way. I, yeah, I, I met them a few times. I spent some time with them on, on the train on the way home last night. What a lovely family they are. Um, so isn't it frustrating? Sorry? Sorry, I was going to say about the goalkeeping. Isn't it frustrating that we let someone like Butland go at the end of the season on That's a free? Great point. And, um, and then and now we end up with another goalkeeper crisis. You know, and I know it was unforeseen, but it's it's just typical Palace, isn't it? It's just the way yeah. it works. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, had we known that Guita was going to throw his toys out of his pram, we wouldn't have let Butland go, would we? Simple, you know. Right. So okay, guys. Anyway, moving on to our lone watch. David, uh, how they done this weekend? David Boateng played the full ninety minutes for our friends at Dundee. Uh, Ian, why are they our friends at Dundee? Um, because of a certain uh, ex-goalkeeper, I think. Correct. Okay, and uh, they, you know, a great bunch of lads when they came down. Uh, I'm still on uh, the, one of their fans' pages, fans' groups. They still speak very highly of everything to do with Crystal Palace Football Club because of their affection for Julian Sparoni, of course. But sadly, they lost 2-1 away at St Mirren. Killian Phillips played the last 33 minutes for Wickham in an away loss to uh, Lincoln City. Owen Gibman played at Colchester, and he also lost... Uh, 2-1 away at Bradford City. Kofi Barmer was not part of the Port Vale squad. Luke Plange only played the final 20 minutes for Carlisle, who also lost. They didn't have a very good weekend, boys, did you? And Scott, Bank, Scott Banks sat on the St Pauli bench for the entire match uh, against Denmalhurst in St Pauli, uh, but, and, but they did win 5-0. Uh, and, and the kids, how did the kids get on? Only one game this week on the Saturday, the 12th of August. The under-18s played Southampton, and there's a score on the screen for you. Uh, they won a stonking result because Southampton had a great game in a uh, great season last year in that league. Okay, and the Palace ran out five-nil winners. Obu Derry, 
Marsh, uh, Marsh with a hat trick. And up next for them at the training ground, don't forget you can watch that live on Palace TV Plus. Uh, they are Premier League Division Two, also Division One, Crystal Palace under 21s against the mighty Man United. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Ladies and gentlemen, out in Facebook land, please don't forget to like our Instagram page. Uh, Tom does a lot of work for us. We're very grateful. Tom, you're doing a cracking job on Instagram. Please like our Instagram page. Um, Nick, while also, you're, well, Nick, can I just come in there while you're talking about that? I just want to give a shout out to Tom um, around the coverage on Instagram. Um, uh, really good match review, actually. Tom, well done. I mean, it's a great match review. You know, um, it's a lot of detail there because sometimes on the Insta, it's really easy just to see the graphic and click on the graphic double click on it and, and scroll through but if you read the match report um it's a really nice concise match report so thank you tom on the on the subject of the palace ladies ladies completed their pre-season training today tickets are now on sale for crystal palace's first three home games in the women's championship they're on sale now uh, after recording back-to-back -to -back top five finishes in the last two seasons the eagles ladies will launch their, their push for promotion against reading on sunday the 27th the new manager, Laura Kaminsky, who's the lady I couldn't remember last weekend. Sorry, Laura, if you're watching this. Okay, will play their home matches this year at Sutton's VBS Community Stadium, which I believe is the one in Gander Green Lane. Am I right, boys? Yes. Anybody know? Yeah, Gander Green Lane. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, and the tickets are available now. And I think they're, they're, they're five pound if you pay online and thirteen pound if you pay on the door. It seems a bit uh, bit of a jump, but there you go. So anyway. Uh, any, uh, go on, Joe. I was going to say, any other business? Well, no. Uh, well, there was there was a couple of things. Remember, uh, Ray, uh, just tell me about Ray in a minute if I forget. Um, just if anyone wants to go and, um, and watch Scott Banks, if he if he ever gets to play to, for St Pauli, if you if you really like the atmosphere that that the ultras at at, uh, at Palace, that they are the originals over in Germany. Um, yeah, they they, they are, you can watch them on uh, on YouTube. Um, they're really very good and I know that a lot of guys um, I was going to go over there once and just to go and try and take in the atmosphere because once you see it on YouTube you probably want to go but uh, if, if Scott Banks can break into the team I'm hopefully going to go and spend a weekend over there um, but yeah anyway just and again just taking a, a shout out um, met a guy the other day delivering a load of stuff, stuff to, to your ass Nick um, it got me out of the, I, I put my keys and my phone in the van and had the window open just a tiny little bit. And of course, my van being my van, decided to lock itself. And uh, and this guy, while he was delivering the stuff, Nick, he had a pretty cold, a little bit of hook on it. Managed to get him through and he got me out of Stuck. So his name's Ray. Um, and he's a massive Palace fan. Got a huge Palace flag on uh, tattoo on his left leg and CPFC tattooed down the outside of his of his right calf. Got me out of Stuck. And I said that uh, I'm sure he lives in Crawley somewhere out that way. So, uh, so Ray, thanks for getting us out of the crap. And I said I'll give you a shout out. So thank you. Yeah, hang on. He's not told you the full story there. There is actually a red and blue review connection with this. Okay. So while he's chatting to this guy, unloading this lorry, and Ray, if you are watching this, my apologies, mate. I pulled in the drive as you pulled out the drive, so I didn't actually get to meet you. Uh, Jill would actually ask this guy, um, do you watch any of the Palace podcasts? Uh, and he said, no, not really. He's my, my age, blah, blah, blah. I don't really do that. And then Jill mentioned the Red and Blue Review. And he looked at his paperwork and he saw the delivery of the customer's name was Nick Philpot. 
and he saw Nick Philbin. He said, oh, Nick Philbin, oh, Jill Holyoke. So Jill got a little bit of fanboy from, from Ray the Driver the other day. It was, it was great to see. Great to hear about, of course, it completely embarrassed my missus. She hates anything to do with, you know, name checking from Red and Blue Review. But just a little bit of fun for you. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, boys, Ian, you've got... Are you talking of which, Nick, got talk, talking of which... Talking of which, it was lovely yesterday. Um, it's great when people come up to you and say, I love the pod. And it was good to meet a couple of people yesterday in the pub uh, before the game. One was our mate at Jill's, uh, a guy called Paul, lives in Spain over here. Thanks, Paul. Oh, uh, Glance, good evening, sir. Yeah, good night. And also Kate um, from somewhere in Kent. And uh, Kate says she's going to come on the show at some point. Um, she talks a very good game about Palace, so hopefully we'll get her on at some point. And then there was a chat on, a, on, a, on the train on the way back. Um, I've heard him talking about, oh, I think that's the guy on the podcast. I recognise his voice and all the rest of it. So uh, thank you for saying that. And um, we appreciate your kind comments about the podcast. Put any shout out, Spurg? Anyone else? No, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not the ambulance driver that looks after your little girl's finger? <laughs> no, no, that was, well, it was a funny story, but it wasn't. Yeah, I had to mute myself for, for people in the out there. I had to mute, mute myself quite a lot last week because my um, daughter slammed her fingers in the car door and uh, broke them. <laughs> so, uh, and you yeah, carried them with a podcast. Like someone's been murdered. Score. I did. Well, That's professional. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> like a true professional. Don't must go on. <laughs> right, coming up next for Crystal Palace. We are our first home game against Arsenal at Sellers Park on Monday at 8 o'clock, is it, Ian? It is. Uh, what worries me about this? I've got some. I've got some stats here, right? Okay. So every season, every season we've won away at Sheffield United in the Premier League. We've lost at home to Arsenal. Every previous opening day Premier League away win has then been followed by a home defeat, and we've faced Arsenal uh, in the first home game of the Premier League season twice before and lost both of them. So that doesn't bode too well for Monday night, does it? Really. He's Mr. Cheerful, Mr. Happy, is sitting down. Oh, <laughs> no is there? Okay, we we'll give up. But that's that's us. That's Palace. You know what we do? We're on that roller coaster. And we don't care. So that does that mean we're doing the show on Tuesday evening? It does mean we're doing the show on Tuesday evening, and we've got some predictions coming through in the chat already. So Tom Samuel, I'll have a pint of whatever you're drinking because you're saying three two Palace. Ian Lyons are saying we're going to get beaten three uh, nil. Luke's gone for the Fergus prediction two um, one. <laughs> Um, Keith, yeah. the match diamond's gone goalless. Blimey. Good to see you. Uh, Claire, Claire Davis, hello, Claire. You've got the 3-1. Bruce has gone 1-all. Uh, who else we've got? Rob Cranfield's gone for the Fergus 2-1. So there's loads more coming through now. Paul Holden 2-1. So look, you know, I, I think we should do predictions, Nick, for, for Monday night, don't you? Um, go for it. Of course, we'll do a show on Tuesday. Um, so who's going to go first? Jill. Well, 1-1. 1-1. Okay. Stole oh, my yes. thunder. Stole my thunder. I was you can't say go one, anything one. other than 2-1, Chuddy. You always say 2-1. No, two, but, you see, but you see, I always went 2-1 last season, and invariably we didn't win. So I've changed my tack. I, I didn't go 2-1 last week, and we won. So I wasn't going to go 2-1 this week, and hopefully we'll win. But a 1-1 draw. I mean, I watched the Arsenal-Forest game. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, you know, Forest had their chances, you know. They're not infallible, completely infallible. Arsenal, I think, you know, they're away from home. We've got a decent side. As long as Guy's fit, um, yeah, we've got a chance. Definitely. Yeah, yours. 
Yeah, I'm going to go for a sneaky little win. 1-0 to Palace. Well, boys, I know I've got a lot of flack on social media last week to give you my end-of-season prediction down in 17th place. Uh, unless something dramatically happens with the squad in the next 10 days, uh, I'm not uh, going to vie away from that. I actually think it'll be a 2-1 loss at home to uh, Arsenal, which I don't think would be a, a massive discredit considering the form that they're in and what we have as backup to help. So we'll see. So Nigel, want to make a note of those. We'll talk about those next Tuesday evening. Uh, we will be live uh, back here on Tuesday evening at eight o'clock. Uh, boys, anything else from you? Give us a positive, Ian Noble, before we go sign off. Uh, positive. We've got a nice little easy draw away at Plymouth in the uh, EFL Cup coming up. Uh, Paul Bristow was delighted with that one. Yeah, I bet it was. Um, he reckons <laughs> it's a 10-minute walk from home. He's got people... So I saw someone message something in here saying, can I crash at your place uh, for the Plymouth game? So, uh, Paul, you'll be inundated with requests, mate. So, um, be careful with that one. But if you go to Plymouth, fair play to you. I probably won't be making that trip. Um, but there we are. Fergus, a positive from you. Um, well... I mean, that spine down the team looks like it's it's going to do well for us this season. If, they, if those, you know, goalkeeper, two central defenders, two central midfield players can stay fit, I think we're going to beat a lot of teams this year. Thank you, mate. And by the way, on the subject of Paul Bristow, he was standing right behind me for the whole game yesterday. Great to see you, you, mate. Uh, I'll be one of the 500 crashing on your floor, mate. Jill, I, su I suppose your, your uh, positive is going to be the great form of Jordan Ayew. What I swear to God, I was just going to say... Jordan Ayew's assist. I swear to you, I was going to take you all by surprise and you just pissed on my parade. That's my job. <laughs> and I'm giving it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been great having you. I do apologise for my slight technical issues. I'll have the soul for Tuesday night. I know what it is. Uh, it'd be great. Boys, thank you for your company, as always, and giving up your Sunday evening. I can't do it without you. Nigel in the background, Tom on the Instagram, Lucy at the podding tonight. On behalf of everybody at Red and Blue Review, please stay safe. Have a great week and good night, everybody. God bless. Good night, everyone. Good night. Oh.